You're listening to Impact Sports Radio, and this is Behind the Mask. Welcome to Impact Sports Behind the Mask. I'm your host, Jason Ruff, alongside, as always, with my partner, Brian Bobel. We've got a full schedule for you today. We'll be recapping Michigan State's recent road split with the New Hampshire Wildcats. We'll also take a look at some of the emerging storylines coming from that series. Later on, we'll go around the boards, seeing how other Big Ten teams are faring this November. And finally, we'll preview for you the David versus Goliath matchup between number 8 Boston College and Michigan State this Friday night. Let's head right into the recap. On Friday, riding an important win against Ferris State, the Spartans traveled out to New Hampshire to face the 2-4 and four Wildcats. Michigan State started strong with a Travis Walsh goal early in the first period, his second in two games. Five minutes later, the Spartans would strike again, this time courtesy of Captain Mike Ferentino, who made it 2-0 MSU. However, UNH would strike back later in the period, notching a power play goal with only 38 seconds left to play in the first to make it 2-1. You know the old saying where you don't want to give up a goal at the end of a period? Well, the Wildcats showed us why. The Wildcats took that momentum into the second period where they tied the game 2-2 less than five minutes in, and it would stay that way for quite some time. However, early in the third period, Mackenzie McEachern picked up a turnover and rifled a shot past Adam Clark. The shorthanded goal put MSU up 3-2 over the Wildcats. The Spartans would later respond again with Ferentino notching his second of the night to make it 4-2. And while the Wildcats push hard in the latter half of the period, they would only crack Jake Hildebrand once, and the Spartans picked up their first road victory of the 2014-15 season by a score of 4-3. Brian, definitely a good start you want to have for Michigan State going into a really winnable road series. Yes, it was, and they finally found a way, Jason, to get one on the road. It was their first road win since February 15th of last season when they beat Penn State. That snapped a six-game road trip, six-game road losing streak. Wow. So they did what they needed to do. It seemed like they almost, their offense picked up right where it left off against Ferris State. Now, granted, They only had eight shots on goal total in the last two periods, and that's not something you want to get into a habit of doing. But this is something we need to see more of them. We they they found a way. They found a way. That's what they need to start doing. They found a way to get this one, and Hildebrand was absolutely phenomenal. Outshot twenty nine to eight in the last two periods, and Hildebrand made forty two saves on the day. That's 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 unbelievable. You want to know why Jake Hildebrand is an outstanding goaltender? That's the reason right there, Brian. I mean, yes, it's a great win, and it's good to see Michigan State winning a close game. This was this was a very close game against a team that, while UNH may be down, they're they're a lot better than their record indicates. Just like arguably, you could say Michigan State is better than their record indicates. Mm-hmm. These are two evenly matched clubs. Absolutely, and the fact that they had to respond, Michigan State, that is. The fact that Michigan State had to respond after blowing a two-goal lead, and they respond by scoring a shorthanded goal, that's that's perfect for this team's confidence right now. They get a power play goal. They get a shorthanded goal. You know, Michael Ferentino is playing as well as he's played, you know, in his last couple years being at Michigan State, and this is exactly what they needed. They They rode that momentum. They didn't play their best hockey game by any means. Well, the way they played against Ferris State was a whole lot better than this, but they got the job done. And that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. How many times last season 
did they have a game like this, but they did not get the job done. Exactly. How about that power play? First four games of the season, you only you only see one power play goal, two power play goals in two games. How about that? With success comes confidence. Exactly. You quoting Tom and Astis or something? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, moving on to the Saturday game. Saturday, many Michigan State Spartan fans will remember for a long mm. time, although not for hockey. <laughs> on Saturday, the Spartans came out looking for a sweep, but the Cats had other plans. UNH got off to a quick start, scoring first and taking a 1-0 lead into the locker room after the first period. In the second, Michigan State fought back with two quick goals by Mackenzie McEachern and Mike Ferentino, with the latter coming on again on the power play. However, just, after a, just about a minute after the Spartans had grabbed the 2-1 lead, the Wildcats came back to tie the game on a breakaway. UNH would get another goal a few minutes later to make it 3-2 after 2. In the third period, a two-on-one for Michigan State failed to convert as J.T. Stenglang struck the crossbar. UNH quickly recovered and scored another goal off a defensive breakdown that had come previous of that play to make it 4-2. UNH would get an empty netter late in the third and eventually win the game by a score of 5-2. Michigan State outshot UNH 24-21 the contest. The Spartans now stand at a 3-5-0 record. So, Brian, you have a really good game by Michigan State on Friday, and then on Saturday, UNH finally cracks open Michigan State. What happened there? Well, I think uh, I think by the looks of it, it, it looked like UNH came out ready to play, and it took Michigan State a little while to find their mojo again. And they found, their, they found it in the second period. They got those two goals, one again, on the power play. Power play is showing up now. They were two for eight on the weekend, which makes three straight games they've scored a power play goal. But bad luck. It's just bad luck just cost them. But when Ferentino scored the power play goal to put them up two to one, UNH had a terrific response to that. Two goals in, a, in just, a, just a shade over two minutes. That came, they scored, I think, to tie the game about a minute and 40 seconds after. About, yeah. Yeah. So that's the exact kind of response you're looking for. If you're on UNH's side, that was textbook. Perfect. You, not only do you come back with authority, you tie the game less than two minutes after they score, but then two minutes after that, now you have a lead. And for Michigan State, this is a good learning opportunity for them, knowing that you got to be able to keep up that momentum when after you take the lead. You, know, you have to be able to completely carry on the way that you've been playing that got you to be successful, and they weren't able to do that, and it ultimately cost them the game. And then that 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 play hits the crossbar. How often Yikes. in hockey does that happen? They have a two-on-one dink, hits it off the crossbar, and then next thing you know, they come right down and score. That's going to haunt Stengline for quite a while, I can guarantee you that. But you also bring up another good point, Brian. This is a good learning experience for Michigan State to teach them that no lead is safe. Mm-mm. I, I don't want to call anyone out here, but I'm it, it appears to me that Michigan State kind of got complacent, especially on defense. Okay, it's a 2-1 to lead, just fall back on Hildebrand and everything will be fine. Well, you can't. Like I told you last weekend, Brian, you can't rely on Hildebrand to win games for you night in and night out. Last Friday, it could be argued that Hildebrand won that game for Michigan State. Absolutely, 42 saves. You're not going to be able to rely on him that much to do that job. But he's proven he can handle it. Exactly. But the problem is when you use him too much like that, he's not going to be able to do that every game. And that's where 
they it looked like from the looks of it they shoot up their defense a little bit. They only gave up 21 shots. Exactly. You know, and I think uh, six of them, uh, a lot of them came on the power play. So, you know, five on five, they were a lot better Saturday night than they were Friday night. Friday night, they were they were outshot pretty badly, five on five, and that and that's a good showing of what your team is doing. And on the weekend, it was fifty six to thirty seven, five on five, in favor of UNH. So that shows you if Michigan State's power play didn't show up, or if their if their special teams didn't show up, might be looking at a sweep for UNH. If Michigan State's special teams didn't show up, I think Michigan State could have been swept. That and. I don't even want to think about that right now because of how <laughs> bad a position the Spartans would be in if they got swept. But I remember last weekend, or last week I should say, in our broadcast, we were talking about how important it was for Michigan State to get a sweep of UNH and how possible it was. Well, Michigan State got a sweep. Is the world falling apart, or how do you how do you take this? Because I'm interested to see what see what your response is. I'll try to look at this uh, as a glass half full. It could have been worse. They could, they're they coming back here 3-5 and five for Friday night. Could have been worse. It could have been 2-6. and six. But it also could have been 4-4. Four and four. And I think if they had played the way they played against Ferris State, and I don't think they did that, they could be looking at 4-4. Four and four. Now you have a three-game winning streak with Boston College knocking at your door Friday night. But it's not the way it happens. Just because you want to win doesn't mean it always happens. You have to go and do it. And that's where the problem is for them. I don't like how they played Saturday night. I think, no. I mean, I no. yeah, they got the win Friday. I really wasn't, I really wasn't thrilled with the way they played this entire weekend. They got they they squeaked, they pretty much you could say they squeaked by. Hildebrand stole that game Friday night, and Saturday wasn't able to do the same thing. And when you have a two goal lead and then you squander it in. And then you're looking the clock four minutes later, you're already down by one again. That doesn't give you the best bout of confidence once you get a lead, if they get a lead Friday night. Right. But I also think I was talking to Coach Anastas today during his press conference. And Coach Anastas admitted that it took quite a while for Michigan State to adjust to the big ice of UNH. From the highlights that I saw, there were a lot of mental breakdowns by the Michigan State defense defensive core. I mean, especially on Saturday, one one game, or I'm sorry, one goal, Wildcats split the defense and just ran in right for a breakaway. That doesn't happen, or that usually sh- that shouldn't happen, I should say. Another game, three Spartans are back, but there's a Wildcat behind all three of them. Pass goes off the boards to that Wildcat, and he's darn near in. That shouldn't happen. Mm-mm. I mean, it shouldn't happen. It's these mental mistakes. And I understand when Coach Nasta says, you know, they – it. it it took Michigan. It took the team a little while to get used to the ice surface. I can understand that. Mm-hmm. I can understand that. It's it's hard playing on that wide ice surface, especially when you're so used to playing on a regulation ice surface as they are at Munn. But I, I get that's a little hard to adjust. But at the end of the day, you have to make those adjustments. Yeah, they do. And and it's interesting that he said that after we asked him last week. What he thought about, it. and he basically was just, "Oh, that's a bunch, uh, you know, baloney." Yeah, he's uh, you know, he's got like, there, there's not, uh, yeah, there's not, uh, not too much you need to do to adjust for that, as long as you play in between the in between the dots, which is true. But in reality, you do need to adjust. Well, the Spartans played in between the dots, and they still got burned. Yeah, they, you still need to make adjustments when you play on that kind of a surface, and 
I wouldn't. I wasn't surprised that they came out sluggish, you know. But they won't have to play on a big sheet until they play at Minnesota. Exactly. Again, so Olymp- say bye bye to Olympic size rink, back to NHL rink on Friday. Right. Personally, I think the NCAA should come down on a ruling that says all rinks have to be yeah. close to mm-hmm. NHL regulation size. They don't have to be exact specifications, but they mm-hmm. have to be pretty darn close. Yeah, I agree because it's. I don't it's, understand what the positives are for having some of these schools that just play like like the Minnesota and UNH who play on Olympic sheets. I don't understand why why they can't just say, "All right, guys, let's let's just turn it into an NHL size rink." If anything, it'll add more seats to the building because you're shrinking the boards by you're shrinking exactly. the size by fifteen exactly. feet. I think it provides too much of a home ice advantage. Quite honestly, I think it does too. And well. Something, something. Coach Nastas and the NCAA will have to consider, I guess. Let's go. Let's go around to some of the storylines coming out here, including Mike Junior Captain Mike Ferentino making the Big Ten third star of the week for his two power play goals against UNH. How deserving of is Ferentino? This is the second week in a row that a Michigan State hockey's player has made the Big Ten three stars of the week. So, what does that tell you, Brian? It tells me that he's starting to find his game a little bit, and he he had you know he didn't have the greatest start to the season. Granted, he he played on a strong line the first weekend, and then they got broken up. Um, but three goals and in, in over the weekend, I think that's more than deserved for him. Oh yeah, and that was you know two power play goals. There's a captain knows what his team needs, and that needs that is confidence on the power play, and what he goes out and gets two power play goals, and then adds another goal. So I think it was, it was well deserved on his part, and not to be overlooked, Mackenzie McEachern. Oh my gosh, he's blowing goals. up, and it is about time. McEachern is now showing us and everyone why he's a draft pick for the St. Louis Blues. Mm-hmm. It, it's I'm I can I am so happy that he is now starting to find his groove. He was before he came to Michigan State, he was named Mister um, Hockey for the state of Michigan, and that's a pretty prestigious. That it, when you come from Michigan, yeah. that is a very mm-hmm. prestigious mm-hmm. award. He didn't have the absolute best freshman year. He had a, he had a solid freshman year, I would say. Mm-hmm. But now it seems like he's starting to take his game to a whole new level, and he's starting to pace the freshman. Now I believe it's on Haig and Cox to fall in his footsteps because if Haig and Cox can get going to somewhat close of a level that McEachern's playing at, watch out because this Michigan State team is going to really get better offensively. And that's going to be their their <laughs> that's that's going to be the ultimate thing that determines where this team is going to go because they can get scoring from their top two lines. Oh yeah, those top two lines are set. Yeah. Their their top two lines are fine. They're doing their job, but that third line is what separates a great team from an average exactly. team. Exactly. Exactly. You know, you're not in the fourth line to an extent you're not looking to get a goal game out of the, like, you know, you're not going to look to get that kind of production. You're looking for them to do other things. Right. You know, so I'm not, so whether the fourth line shows up in terms of the scoring sheet doesn't matter, but that third line. Especially when can you consider, yeah. when you consider Hague's on that line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that third line is so important for Michigan State. If they can just get them going, then we're looking at a team who can flip this record from a three and five record to a five and three record in no time. Exactly. Exactly. And actually looking at Michigan State's record going forward, I think this team can get to 500 before they reach the GLI. You look where they where they stand right now. They stand at 3 and 5. They 
they meet Boston College, you have to assume you have to go with the stat sheets here. They're probably you have to assume they're going to lose that game. But thankfully, that's why they play the game. Exactly. Exactly. I'm not making any predictions yep. here, but I'm just making. Mm-hmm. I'm, these are safe predictions yeah. I'm making here. Yeah. So you have to assume they lose to Boston College. Then they go on the road to Ohio State. I would say a split against against the Buckeyes. They need they need to sweep. They need to sweep. You think you say you say they need to sweep. They need to sweep. Because if you look after that, Princeton, I will be at one of those two games in Princeton. That is that is absolutely a must sweep series. If they for them. if they don't sweep Princeton, they shouldn't even come back to Mun. No. That that so that they need to get those two wins in New Jersey. Not Ohio State. I they can't go in with let's get a split. They need to send a message to Ohio State that this is going to be a different matchup this year. They are going to dictate where they finish in the standings. And this is the that's the weekend they have to do it. Boston College, it's their last their last huge test, you know, for at a conference schedule. But that weekend against Ohio State, they have to sweep. They have to sweep. They have to sweep. And if you look at that, if they lose to Boston College, it puts them at three and six. If they if they split at Ohio State, they're four and seven. If they sweep, sweep Princeton, Princeton, they're six and seven. They're six and seven. Going into a home series against Minnesota, which they need to split. Which they uh, yes, they there is one split. they need to split. They need to split, mm-hmm. especially when you think back to last year when Michigan State took the shootout win against the Gophers and lost by one goal to the Gophers the next night. That's a series they need to split. And if Michigan State can beat out Clarkson, which really isn't on anybody's radar, Mm-mm. then you've got yourself an eight and eight. Uh, you've got yourself an eight and eight record going into the GLI. Who you play Ferris State, which you and I both know that Michigan State can beat Ferris State, mm-hmm. but we also know that Michigan State can lose if, to Ferris if State. If they can solve Mott, they'll beat they can beat Ferris State. And then you better pray. You better pray that Michigan State gets Michigan in the second game because you don't want to take on Michigan Tech, because right now they're in the top five of the nation. Right now, they mm-hmm. are rolling. They swept the the Huskies swept the Wolverines in Yost badly they embarrass them badly so you better be praying that at the GLI Michigan State gets Michigan that second game (laughs) absolutely but I think they can hang with Michigan Tech they can they can play with Michigan Tech they've showed it they can hang with these top teams it's just they just can't put together wins against those top teams outside of Ferris State at the time but yeah I, I absolutely agree with you there Jason you can beat Ferris State, and you better pray that Michigan pulls off uh, an upset. Or an if upset. you lose to Ferris State, you better pray Michigan loses to Michigan Tech. Yes. To get a sweep mm-hmm. in the G- – I'm sorry, not a sweep, to get a split in the GLI. But I actually I, – I understand where you're coming from with Ohio State. I don't think you necessarily need to sweep Ohio State in Columbus. You need to sweep them when they're in East Lansing. Hands down. Hands down. I think you can afford a loss – to Ohio State, and that loss can come in Columbus. As long as they get a point out of it. All right, all right, I'll give you that. They, they need to come out with as many points as possible against Ohio State because we know what happened last year where they oh, finished yeah. in their standings was a direct result of them not being able to compete when they were they able to compete. They only got two points yeah. from the Buckeyes yeah. in, mm-hmm. out of 12 points possible. They only got two. Exactly. So that's why I say they need to come in with a we need to get six points. Two right. wins. Right. That's all that matters. They have to chalk up two wins on that board when they come out of Ohio. Exactly. Well, all right. 
Well, you heard it here, folks. Brian Brian Bobel wants a nine and seven record going into the GLI. Quite frankly, I don't blame him. Or actually, I'm sorry, I forgot. Power play. Now, finally, the power play is working. Finally, and Farentino seems to be the quarterback at the power play position that Michigan State was missing. Absolutely, and it, you just see that it. You can just tell that with this team, once they got that goal against Ferris State, it was a huge goal in both ways that it put them up, you know, pretty much put that game away against Ferris State, but also just lifted that much pressure off their shoulders. And they come in, they get two more power plays. This, their power play operated at 25% on the weekend. That's phenomenal. Your power play can do that almost every weekend. You're looking at, you know, that, that, who wouldn't want that? I want that. Yeah, a lot of teams would, would love to have that. The only thing I didn't like about that power play, though, Friday night they were one for three, which on in the stat sheet looks looks fine. Their only shot on those three power plays was the goal. They need to shoot more. So I would like to see a little bit more from that, but it's not time to get picky. I, I was they about to, to say, you're yeah, getting picky now? Yeah, yeah, it's not time to get picky, but you like to see more shots, and granted they did that. They had six shots, and, and, and they were one for five on Saturday. But, yeah, I, I, I found that quite, uh, undisip- I guess, disappointing. You know, only one shot att- you know, on goal in three power plays. You got you have to demand that you get more out of that. But power play was two for eight on the weekend. That's good enough. You know, I'm That's sure good Tom enough Anastas, for me. That's good enough it's for good me. enough for me. I'm sure it was good enough for Tom Anastas getting two goals on the power play. Oh, he was very happy yes. about the power play. I actually asked him about it. I asked him, Coach, what are you doing differently now that the power play is having success? He told me the lines are still together. They haven't been jumbled up, and so guys mm-hmm. are getting more comfortable playing together. They're getting more comfortable. They're, they're, the chemistry is growing, and they're getting more experience playing with each other. That's leading to more goals. No, because they, you know, when the lines shuffle, you, there's no possible way to develop chemistry when you have different line mates in, in a game. There's just... There's just no way around it. So, and that and that's something when you put those lines together and you want to keep them solid, you're gonna go through some, you know, some trial and error. You know, they gotta they gotta feel themselves out a little bit. But once they start to develop chemistry, now you're looking at a productive, cohesive unit, and that's what they're getting. And who knows? We'll see where this power play can go against a top-notch opponent like BC, but. If this power play can, you know, slowly but surely, you know, over time, get a little bit more confident in these games. Once they hit Big Ten play, it should be a decent power play. Should be a pretty good one. Oh yeah, I'm I'm actually very excited to see that. Let's go now around the boards, checking on the Big Ten this last weekend. Interesting weekend. Number one Minnesota swept number 15 Notre Dame by scores of 5 to nothing and 4 to 2. I actually watched the the Friday Notre Dame game on the Big 10 network. It was uh you could really you gain a new appreciation for how good Minnesota is when you actually watch them play. No joke, the Minnesota Golden Gophers look like an AHL team. Literally like a professional farm team. It's it's nuts. The professional farm team on an Olympic sized surface. Exactly. Exactly, but no, they just demolish Notre Dame, just demolish them. I think a nine-two goal differential against a number fifteen ranked team absolutely proves that, and they are without a doubt the class of the Big Ten. They are, oh yes. they are the oh yes, they are the face of the Big Ten. 
And that's why you know, that's why Big Ten Network's carrying their games yeah, this exactly, early in the season. Exactly. But they just keep they just keep rolling. They just roll. All they do is roll. Roll gophers. Forget yeah. roll tide. Roll gophers there. Go, go, gophers. Yeah, go, roll, go, roll go. gophers. Exactly. Gophers still making the statement why they should be number one mm-hmm. in the nation. They are off to a 7-1-0 and start. Michigan this last weekend was off. They play American International this weekend in Yost. They should get a sweep on that one. I mean, American International, the conference American International is in is basically the the college hockey equivalent of the MAC. <laughs> it basically is. Boy, what would this tell you though if they sweep or what if can you imagine if they get swept? I don't think they will. But if, if, just, if just because got but swept. you know if there's anything that that we've learned from you you brought up the Mac in college football there's anything that we've learned over the last couple years is those teams can't be taken lightly just because you know the Mac teams have not been the strongest in college football they pulled off a couple of upsetting wins at the hands of Big 10 opponents so you know M- Michigan they need to uh safe to say they need to not overlook this one I agree, and you make and you bring up a valid point. I believe it was last year Michigan State played American International to I think a one. It was a one goal game. It was like a five to four or four to three, somewhere in that range. One of only four wins Michigan State had in their entire out of conference slate. Yeah, or, they, I'm sorry, one of five. Excuse me. Yeah, they won five nothing the first game versus American International. Five to four back in November first. That's almost a year removed since that matchup. But then they won the second game uh, four to nothing. Right, 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 right. But still, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of criticism on Michigan State for being three five and zero. Oh. You could be worse. You could be the Wolverines sitting at two and five. Mm-hmm. You could yeah. be. It could be worse. And right now, the Big Ten is it's there for the taking. Right now, let's look. Go on to Ohio State. They were swept by number nineteen Nebraska Omaha. I mean Nebraska Omaha. The, the Buckeyes lost 4-1 to one on Friday, and then they blew a 3 to nothing lead to lose 4-3 to three to Nebraska-Omaha. Well, they always say, I think it's one of my favorite sayings, is that the 3 nothing lead is the worst lead in hockey, and it proves true almost all the time. It rears its ugly head more often than it should. But, oh boy, Big Ten. At home. At, at home. Ho- at home is the killer. At home. At home is the killer on that one. You you can't let a number nineteen team like that come in and push you around. A no nothing nineteen. Yeah. Number mm-hmm. nineteen. Who would have guessed Nebraska Omaha was number nineteen? I didn't believe it myself till I looked it up. Yeah, that that that's so. Oh my goodness, that's that's disheartening. And but they have a big test this weekend that they that'll pretty much. They need to get back in, in the right direction when they play Bowling Green this weekend. Home and home against Bowling Green. Look for them to try to get <laughs> try to string a couple wins together before they play Michigan State in the Big Ten. You know that'll be opener. that'll be a very telling series to see where Ohio State is at because they've kind of been up and down mm-hmm. a little bit. No one's really quite sure what to make of the Buckeyes right now, but that'll be that home and home against um, against Bowling Green. That'll be a very telling series. Again, the, the Ohio State Buckeyes off to a 2-5-1 and one overall start. Penn State was off last weekend, but they finally end their cupcake schedule. They finally play an elite team. They go on the road to face UMass Lowell, who's number four in the nation next weekend. 
That is where everyone finally gets to see if this Penn State team is for real. Because if they can pull off a split, because they're not going to get a sweep. They're just they're just not against a number against a number four team in the nation. I, I, there's I, no way. I that's why they play the game, Jason. That's why I've seen you know crazier things have happened, but. This is this will really prove you know this will really tell all of us if Penn State is a pretender or a contender if they can sweep or if they can sweep no doubt they're they're for real if they can split Watch I would out. say they're Watch I would out. say they're a contender if they get swept I I wouldn't really wouldn't really hang it over their heads too much I I still think they need to have more of a uh, but I mean, if you look, uh, they play play Michigan the week after that. If they don't win either of those four games, then I'll say, oh, that's the Penn State that I thought we were going to see at the start of the season. But they can split both those series because that's at Yost Arena too, right? At the end, near the end of October, there. I think, I think, and I think uh, Penn State will get swept by UNH because UNH is the number four team in the nation. That the Riverhawks are the top scoring team in the nation. Facing off against, likewise, one of the top scoring teams in the Big Ten. So I think Penn State gets swept by UNH on the road, comes back to Yost and gets a sweep there. They go one for four in those four games. Again, the Nittany Lions off to a 5-1-2 start so far this season. And finally, the Wisconsin Badgers were swept by number 2 North Dakota in Madison by scores of 4-3 to and 5-1. to The Badgers are off to an 0-6-0 start. The struggles continue for the Wisconsin Badgers, Brian. It almost looked like they were so devastated after that game, uh, the first game that they lost four to three. Just to take a look, you know, four to three. You see, that's a close game, and then to just get pummeled, blown out, five to one on your home ice. You know, it's that's that's tough. And Wisconsin had two leads in that game on Friday night. You know, two leads. They got the first goal in the second period. North Dakota ties it up three minutes later. Then they get a late goal in the second period to go back up two to one. And what does North Dakota do? They score one early in the third. And then next thing you know, a power play goal and shorthanded goal does them in. Exactly. So I think that was what the I think they they just felt so uh just completely fell apart after that. Now you if you're thinking if you're Wisconsin, you're thinking you don't have any wins. Now here comes North Dakota, we have a lead. At home, this is finally where things are going to turn around for us. But then they come back and they steal it away from you. All right. And then they and then devastating, devastating results Saturday night. Again, the Badgers are off to an 0-6 and 0 start by far and away the biggest surprise of any Big Ten team. Let's now go to our final segment: Know Thy Enemy. This Friday, the number eight Boston College Eagles come to East Lansing for one night only. The Eagles will come into this matchup either four and five or five and four, depending on how their game against Harvard goes this evening. The Eagles are one three in conference play. However, they've lost to conference rivals Connecticut, Boston University, and UMass Lowell. While this Goliath may be wounded, however, he is dangerous. This is Boston College, people. They need no introduction. On paper, the Eagles lead MSU in nearly every category except penalty kills and faceoffs. Michigan State is currently one at one in three against ranked opponents, but have allowed a total combined of five goals total against those teams. 
If the Spartans hope to stay alive, their defense will have to be flawless, and Hildebrand will have to be on the top of this game. The Eagles average three goals per game. Brian, on paper, this looks like a complete mismatch. It does. It does. And and, and this is Boston College. They are basically, to draw a football parallel, they are the Alabama Crimson Tide of college <laughs> hockey. Talk about roll tide, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is a team that Michigan State has no business being on anywhere near the same ice as. But at the same time, Tom Anastas has scheduled this game for the Eagles to come into East Lansing, Michigan, come into Munn, and play the Spartans. And quite honestly, unlike Fino, who we had on last weekend, I'm not so quick to write this game off as a complete loss for Michigan State. I, boy, that's tough. It's tough because now finally they get one of these New England schools home. Mm-hmm. They get them home. You know, one of these top-notch. Yeah, they had UMass Amherst home opening, but that UMass Amherst is not. They're not. They're a not Boston BC. College. They're not they are BC. not a Boston College. So the fact that they're coming here, you know, that that's you know, Michigan State has to rally around that. Mun Ice ha- Mun Arena has to be filled. Friday night. I, I have a feeling it's going to be a very often crowd. do these, t- these two teams play each other. The last time these two teams met was at the Icebreaker Tournament back in 2011, October 2011, where Boston College beat Michigan State 5-2. to But we all know these two teams met in the national championship not too long ago. Back Seven in 2000, years ago. Yep, Seven years ago. Back in 2007, Michigan State beat Corey Schneider, Brian Boyle, and the Boston College Eagles there in a goal by Justin Abdelkader. Yep. Yeah. The one it's still immortalized up on the wall in Mun. Yes, it is. But this, I I can't say for sure that Michigan State is is outclassed. I can't say like they don't deserve to be in the same, you know. On realm. paper, they don't. On paper, no. On paper, they they have no business coming in and winning this I game. Mean, Michigan State. I does. mean, look but, at it. goals. Boston College leads that one twenty four to nineteen. Goals per game, Eagles, three goals per game, Spartans, 2.38. Goals allowed per game, Michigan State, 2.5, Eagles, 2.38. Shots on goal per game, Eagles, 29.4, Spartans, 28.5. Power play, Eagles, one, one uh, sorry, Eagles, five for 39, Spartans, four for 36. Penalty kill, 35 for 39 for the Eagles, 29 for 32 for Michigan State. Any, any statistic that Michigan State has an edge in, they do so by the narrowest of margins. Everything else is all Boston College. On paper, this is a mismatch. But but Michigan State has proven to everyone time and time again, both this year and last year, that they can play with top-ranked opponents. This year, look at what they did against Ferris State. Played them to a one-goal loss. It was a, it was a good one-goal loss. They couldn't get any offense. But then on Saturday night, played their best game of the season in a 4-1 to route. It was a route of the of the Bulldogs, and that's a team that doesn't get route, routed. Last year, you look at what they did against Minnesota. Four games, went 0-2-2, and took Minnesota to two shootouts, one at home, one in away. Look what they did to Boston. Uh, not Boston. Look what they did to Wisconsin. You know, you play. they played the Badgers to, a, to an overtime victory and darn near and came up one goal short in a devastating loss to them. This team can play with top-ranked opponents. It's just a question of will they show up on Friday night. And that's been their thing. They they can always hang with them, but they could never string together the win, the big wins. You know, yeah, they had the overtime win against Wisconsin, but we all know Wisconsin's woes on the road. 
BC is a different animal. BC is is no Wisconsin. BC is by far head and head and shoulders over Wisconsin, and this this is their last test to sort of prove that they can be an elite an elite team. team. Because if they lose this game, hard hard or close, hard. If they okay, so if the Spartans lose this game hard, if they lose this game hard, then there's no doubt that this team is just not. It, it just can't be get on that same level as those top ranked opponents, but. If they lose a close one, you know, say they say they lose three to two, then you're thinking maybe they they just need to get going in the right direction because they if they can if they can lose a one goal game here, it's not going to show up, but it's almost an emotional like emotional boost for only losing by one goal to one of the top teams in the country, and it's tough. You're never going to get an emotional boost out of a loss. But that's a huge positive. You're bringing in BC into your building, and if you only lose by one goal in a competitive game, I'd say in hindsight, if you look back at that down the road, if Michigan State turns their season around and has a successful run in Big Ten Conference play, you could look back on that and say, well, maybe it got started with that game against Boston College. You know, the thing is, though, I don't think – a one-goal loss to BC would do anything except compound the fact that Michigan State is not where they're at and they haven't made any improvements. Because if you remember last year, how many one-goal games did you and I witness, Brian, where Michigan State was, in fact, in it and a timely goal here and there would have changed the game entirely, but instead Michigan State comes up with a one-goal loss? How many games, Brian? Far too many. Far too many. And how many times, how long is the team and how long are Michigan State's fans going to have to sit through another one-goal loss to a team that arguably Michigan State could have beaten. So quite honestly, I'd rather take a blowout loss because that says a lot more. It says more to the fact that, okay, Michigan State's just not where they're at. They're just nowhere. They need they need to get more skilled, and that will come with time. I'd rather take that than a one-goal loss because if you get a one-goal loss, then, you, then you're sitting there thinking to yourself, oh, good Lord, it's, it's the same old, same old. But quite honestly, I'd take an over. I'd take a shootout win over Boston College. I'd take that. Oh, and any kind of win if they can get one, any is, win it will do wonders for this team. But if you think about their one loss, their you know their one goal losses last season, a lot of them came against conference foes. It didn't really come against the epitome, the class of other conferences, and that's where I think, you know, they 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 played well against Minnesota and Wisconsin. That that's great. But they see en- they see Minnesota and Wisconsin enough, you know. They they see them plenty of times every season. Not Boston, not Boston College. And that will lead us into our keys to Spartan victory. Brian, you're up. The power play needs to stay hot. Number one, it's hot right now. The power play is hot, and it has to stay that way, because in Michigan State needs any sort of confidence going into. That game, they need to bring everything that's going right for them into that game, and they need to make sure it continues. If they get some power play goals, they'll win the game. Number two, Jake Hildebrand needs to have one of his best games of the season for Michigan State to win this game. I think. I agree. But that that's not saying let's let's lean on him. You know, if you're Michigan State, don't say let's lean on Jake. Let's lean on Hildy to get us through this one. No, he's going to be there. You just can't rely on him to be there the whole time. Number three, 
keep you know make sure Ferentino and McEachern stay on the on the offensive. They're playing well. They're scoring goals. If they can stay that way, get production out of that third line. Michigan State will be okay. Right, I agree with what you say about Hildebrand. Looking at the goaltender comparison, Hildebrand currently has a 9-12 save percentage and a 2.4 goals against average. Thatcher Demko, the Boston College goaltender, he has a 9-2-1 save percentage and a 2.12 goals against average. So clearly the goaltending matchup in favor of Demko, that's going to lead into my three goal, three keys to Spartan victory. Number one, score the first goal and score it early. Mm-hmm. It's it's crazy how accurate the stat is, this stat that I'm going to bring up is, but it's it's true. Michigan State is 3-0 and when scoring the first goal, 0-5 when, when they don't score. It's kind of like in football with the Minnesota Golden Gophers football team mm. when the Gophers were winning or tied at halftime. Under Jerry Kill, they would win. Mm-hmm. When they were yeah. losing at halftime, they'd lose. Mm-hmm. It was just one or the other, and it, this is this is similar. So Michigan State, get the first goal. And once more, get it early. Set the tone. Because usually when Michigan State gets the first goal of the period, usually that's followed up by another goal. And it's always good Mm -hmm. to go into the locker room when you have two goals already under your belt. Yeah, if they can get into the intermission with a 2-0 lead, no doubt. No doubt. Exactly. Second key of the game, the defense has to be flawless. That's Jake Hildebrand. That's the entire defensive core in general. They are going to have to be flawless. Like you said, Hildebrand's going to have to have his best game of the season, quite possibly the best game of his career. Yeah. Yep. This Friday, mm-hmm. because this is this is this is the one I have. I know you have. I think this is the, the non-conference game a lot of people have had circled on their calendars, because it's going to be a really big game. The defense is, itself, they've got to cut down on mental mistakes. They have to realize their margin for error is slim to none, because Boston College is still that good. They're they're 500 right now, but they're number eight for a reason. Yeah, and but I still think their defense needs to chip in. You know, they, they need oh, to yeah. be able to take those risks at the right time. That's true. I'm not yeah. saying they should just fall back mm-hmm. and play defensive hockey 100%, uh, but I'm saying they need to be smart and then they need to yes. cut down the mental errors. You can look at guys like Travis Walsh. He's got two goals. He's taking look, shots look, like crazy. Look at Walsh, yeah. Look at Walsh. Two and goals that's what and... you want on your first mm-hmm. power uh, deep defensive pairing with Josh Jacobs. That's what you want. You want that pairing to be your offensive-defense pairing. Mm-hmm. So it's really good that Walsh is stepping up and he's getting those goals. And it's good that Jacobs has two assists right now. Yeah. Maybe he can come up and make a big play. Mm-hmm. And finally, the last play, the last key, special teams has to be good. You guys look at guys like Mackenzie McEachern getting that shorthanded goal the other last weekend. You look at Ferentino on the power play. They're doing well. Keep that power play up. Boston College doesn't surrender a lot of power play goals. They've surrendered five power play goals so far in eight games. They're 35 for 39 on the penalty kill. So Michigan State, when they get a power play, they're going to have to make Boston College pay. If they do that, if they feed off the crowd, and if they play their best game of the year, similar to what they played against Ferris State, they could they could pull the upset. I think you're right. I think I think you're right. I think... Being home is going to help. Exactly. You know, being home is going to help a lot. That is if the students can come out in full force. I think they will. I th- I think they will. I'm feeling they're not going to short shift this one. I think they're going to come out. Yeah, not very often does BC come into the into the, exactly. the barn here at Michigan right. yep. State. But yep, yep. We'll see. I, I, I think they'll come out in force. I'm personally calling out the A-team for you guys to come out in force. Michigan State Hockey is going to need you. If you guys do come out, I will definitely take a picture and put it on Twitter for you guys. 
All right, well, that will do it here. We are about the top of our hour here, so we will say goodbye. I'm Jason Ruff. I'm Brian Bobel. Stay cool, Spartan Nation.